Hipsham Experience, Episode 7, Universe 25, recorded March 24th, 2021. So I want to start by saying thank you to those of you who reached out and messaged me or left me a rating on iTunes about the previous episode, which was my, uh, I'll just say, dramatic read of the uh, Viking story or Norse mythology story of Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Um, I'd never done something like that before, and for people to say that they would like for me to do more of that, um, I have started compiling a list of other uh, mythologies and uh, historical figures and stories that I would like to do with the same kind of quality that I did with Ragnarok. Um, I'm leaning towards the next one. I want to do one more Viking one before I move on to some other countries, so or other cultures, excuse me. So I'd like to do uh, Ragnar Lodbrok, who uh, he's kind of become popularized recently through the show Vikings that uh, started on the History Channel. So uh, that will be coming soon. And so again, thank you to those of you who reached out and told me that you enjoyed it. So, in the meantime, I wanted to, because I stumbled across this the other day, uh, I was going to get back to work on my Warrior Cultures series, but I stumbled across this article about a guy named John Calhoun, who was an American ethologist, um, and he did a lot of rodent studies, rodent behavioral studies. And I found that interesting because, and I, I, I always wondered why do we study mice, and the long and short of it is um, that they have a lot of similar uh, behavioral patterns and characteristics to us. Um, they're, that's the reason why they're often, uh, why we test medicine on mice. Uh, just because they're similar enough to us. And I came across this article about his most famous experiment, which he called Universe 25, which this would be the 25th iteration of his rodent, quote-unquote, utopia experiments. And obviously... He's trying to figure out what uh, what would happen in, in this particular scenario and what we can learn from it for human behavior. And so I just want to read this for you and let me know what you think. Uh, if And mind you, as I'm reading this, this is all about mice. But just keep in mind if any of this sounds similar to... Uh, humanity to uh, society at large, not just this country, but worldwide, if this sounds um, eerily similar to you. So, with that said, 
uh, let's get started here. So John Calhoun began his research on rodents in 1947, uh, where he studied an enclosed group of Norwegian rats at a barn in Rockville, Maryland. He supplied them with unlimited food and water, and he expected to see their population swell to about 5,000 over the course of 28 months. However, it capped out at about 200 after they started dividing into smaller groups, each only having a dozen or so individuals. By 1962, Calhoun's observations from his research in population density and social pathology, he coined the phrase behavior sync to describe the results of overcrowding, namely the breakdown of social functions and the collapse of population uh, in the enclosed rodent environment. Hitting the public, just as vast urban expansion saw growing numbers of college grads flocking big cities for work opportunities, uh, many viewed the article as a warning about what could happen to the human race if populations continued to rise at their current rate. So here's the experiment, Universe 25. So he expanded on his earlier studies. He devised his ultimate, ultimate, there's no N in ultimate, his ultimate research experiment. Uh, in Universe 25, a population of mice would grow within a 2.7 square meter enclosure. Uh, it, it had about four pens, uh, let's see here, 256 living compartments and 16 burrows that led to food and water supplies. It was a plague-free environment. It had all the comforts. Um, there were no predators, uh, unlimited food supply. The, the mice would basically be enjoying the equivalents of modern human life, all of the luxuries. Uh, Calhoun initiated the experiment with four pairs of healthy mice, which he set loose into the enclosure to begin the new society. So during the first 104 days, a uh, phase he dubbed the Strive Period, the mice adjusted to their new surroundings. They marked their territory, they began nesting. This was followed by the Exploit Period, which saw the population double every 55 days. By the 315th day, Universe 25 contained 620 mice. Now, despite the abundance of space throughout the enclosure, each living compartment could house up to 15 individuals, and the overall enclosure was built for a maximum of 3,000 mice. Most mice were crowding select areas and eating from the same food sources. The This as it turned out, was a, a social thing. You know, it was a, it was viewed, it became kind of a communal activity for the, all the mice. So that caused most of them to favor the same few compartments. All of this huddling, however, led to a drop, interestingly enough, in mating. And the birth rate soon fell to a third of its former level. Uh, social imbalance also took place among the mice, and there's three points here. Uh, one third emerged as socially dominant. Uh, the other two-thirds turned out less socially adept than their predecessors, their parents, their forebears, the previous generation. And then as bonding skills diminished among the mice, Universe 25 went into a slow 
and irreversible decline. So the social status of the mice in Universe 25. By day 315, behavior disparities between males of high and low status became more pronounced. Those, that, those at the bottom of the pecking order found themselves spurned from females and withdrew from mating altogether. Having no role to fulfill within the society, the lesser mice, the outcasts, wandered from the larger groups to eat and sleep alone, and sometimes fight amongst each other. The alpha males, on the other hand, they became a lot more aggressive, often uh, going into violence with no real provocation uh, against some of the lesser mice. At, at times, they would roam around and uh, rape other mice, regardless of gender. Uh, meanwhile, the beta males, the ones ranked lesser than the alphas and outcast omegas, uh, they grew timid and inert, and often wound up being the passive recipients of the violence. In several instances, these bloodbaths, these, these mice bloodbaths, ended with uh, cannibalism for the victors. So, the next piece is the infant mortality rate. So, with the male mice abandoning their traditional roles, the females were left to fend for their nests. Uh, consequently, many females adopted more aggressive forms of behavior, which would sometimes spill over into violence toward their own children. Others would refrain from their motherly duties altogether, banishing their unraised litters and withdrawing from mating. Now this resulted in some compartments uh, the infant mortality rate topped at about 90 percent. Calhoun called this the stagnation phase. Uh, he attributed the overly aggressive and passive behavioral patterns to the breakdown of social roles and rampant overclustering. So then, the, then a spike in the mortality rate. By the 560th day, the population increase had ceased altogether as the mortality rate hovered at around 100%. This marked the start of the death phase in which the utopia was sliding irreversibly to extinction. So amongst the violence, uh, hostility, lack of mating, uh, younger generation of mice reached maturity having never been exposed to examples of normal no idea of healthy relations with other mice, uh, with no concept of mating, parenting, or marking territory. This generation of mice spent all of their waking hours eating, drinking, and grooming themselves. In reference to their perfected, unruffled appearances, Calhoun called these mice the, quote, beautiful ones. They lived in seclusion from the other mice. They were spared the violence and conflict that waged in the crowded areas, and yet they made no social contributions. According to Calhoun, the death phase consisted of two stages, the first death and the second death. The first death was characterized by the loss of purpose in life beyond mere existence. There was no desire to mate, raise young, or establish any kind of role within the society. The, it was represented by uh, 
lackadaisical lives of the what Calhoun called the beautiful ones, the ones that sat around and just ate, drank, and groomed themselves. And then the second death that he talked about was marked by the literal end of the and uh, extinction of Universe 25, which is the next part we're getting to. The sun sets on Universe 25 is the section he's got here. So he extended his observations of the beautiful ones. Calhoun, he later said that he later thought that the mice as humans, just like we do, uh, they thrive on a sense of identity and purpose within the world at large. He thought that experiences such as tension, stress, and anxiety, and the need to make it necessary, they, these things were uh, necessary to engage in society. When all of the needs are accounted for, like basic living needs, no conflict exists, the act of living is stripped to its barest uh, physical essentials, like food and sleep. Um, he said, uh, herein is the paradox of life without work, when all sense of necessity is stripped from the, in from the life of an individual, life ceases to have purpose. The individual dies in spirit. So gradually, the mice that refused to mate or engage in society came to outnumber those that formed gangs, ran around raping other mice, and uh, feeding on their own. The last known conception, the last known pregnant mouse in Universe 25 occurred on day 920, at which point the population was capped at about 2,200, which was well short of the enclosure's capacity of 3,000. There was an endless supply of food, water, and other resources, um, but it didn't matter. The behavior sink set in. And there was no stopping Universe 25 from careening to its self-made demise. Soon enough, there was not a single living mouse left in the enclosure. Now, interestingly enough, Calhoun did make an attempt to salvage uh, universe, some of the mice from Universe 25. So before the Utopia imploded... Calhoun removed some of the beautiful ones, remember the ones that only ate, drank, and groomed. He removed some of them to see whether they would live more productive lives if they were released into a new society, free of social strife and carnage. So, by placing these mice in a fresh setting with, a f with few pre-existing residents, a scenario similar to what Universe 25 started with, he expected the beautiful ones to awake from their asocial haze, their uh, introvertedness, as we might say about ourselves, and answer nature's call to populate the mostly barren enclosure. However, the relocated mice, they didn't show any sign of change from their earlier beha uh, behavioral patterns. They still refused to mate or even interact with their new peers. Um, 
They eventually died of natural causes, and this fledgling society also folded without a single new birth. So in, Calhoun, in John Calhoun's view, the rise and fall of Universe 25 proved five basic points about mice as well as humans. The first point was that the mouse is a simple creature, but it must develop the skill it must develop the skills for courtship, child rearing, territorial defense, and personal role fulfillment on the domestic and communal front. If they fail to develop them, the individual will neither reproduce nor find a productive role within society. As with mice, all species will grow older and gradually die out. There is nothing to suggest human society isn't prone to the same developments that led to the demise of Universe 25. Point number three. If the number of qualified individuals exceeds the number of opening in, openings in society, uh, chaos and alienation will be the inevitable outcomes. Point number four. Individuals raised under the latter conditions will lack any relation to the real world. Physiological fulfillment will be their only drive. And his last point, just as mice thrive on a set of complex behaviors, the concern for others developed in post-industrial human skills and understandings is vital to our continuance as a species. The loss of these attributes within a society could lead to its collapse. Now, that's everything from Mr. Calhoun, and it's kind of hard for me to add anything to that, but uh, because it covers a whole lot of ground. So here's what little I can think to say, and I might be reiterating a little bit of what he was saying, but here we go. Let, let's, let's see what I got here. So... We as humans, parents, guardians, role models, etc., etc., uh, whatever, whatever synonym term you want to use, we always have these sayings that are something to the effect of, "We want to give our gener our our children, the next generation, what we never had," and that's not necessarily wrong. But there is, I think, at least. A bit of caution that needs to be observed with that line of thinking that I that I think doesn't get as much attention as maybe it should. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, looking at the later generations of mice from Calhoun's experiment, they didn't really go through a whole lot of struggle, and they didn't find a purpose to their lives. Remember the beautiful ones. They all they did was they they were just eating and drinking and cleaning themselves. They were alive, but they weren't living. So they were not being shaped by any form of struggle. They just hid away from the rest of society. And that's what I think well-intentioned people forget when they want to remove hardships for everyone and providing handouts. There's no sense of satisfaction of having earned something. The... This is my opinion, but the, I think the human spirit longs to overcome challenge, to to overcome fear, and that's no easy task. I'm not, you know, 
I'm not trying to simplify that, but um, but the uh, foundation that uh, for us to have a place to begin with that, it needs to be nurtured and, and given an idea of how to start that process from our parents, from the previous generation, because without that, we become less social. We don't look for partners. We don't pursue that calling, that 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 urge that pokes at our, our consciousness and says, you know, this is what you should be doing to make your mark so that you know, you'll leave something that will outlast you so that others later on can learn from your example and still be able to struggle forth and succeed. Now, I'm not saying that people should struggle needlessly. Yes, there are obstacles that can impede people from pursuing their calling, absolutely. But I think that certain productive obstacles that people can gain positive life experience and growth from should not be renewed because if we do that then here's here's the part I'll leave you on then I'll I ask this question which is the album title of a band I used to listen to a lot when I was younger if we remove all these obstacles are we alive or like the beautiful ones are we just breathing <laughs>